Reading for December 16. Luke chapter 2, verse 36 and 37. There was also a prophetess, Anna. She never left the temple, but worships day and night, fasting and praying. There is no doubt that it is by praying that we learn to pray, and that the more we pray, the better our prayers will be. People who pray in spurts are never likely to attain to the kind of prayer described in the scripture, a powerful and effective prayer in James 5.16. Great power in prayer is within our reach, but we must work to obtain it. We should never even imagine that Abraham could have interceded so successfully for Sodom if he had not communed with God throughout the previous years of his life. Jacob's entire night of wrestling at Penel was certainly not the first encounter he had with his God. And we can even look at the Lord's most beautiful and wonderful prayer in John 17 before his suffering and death as the fruit of his many nights of devotions and of his rising often daybreak before daybreak to pray. If a person believes he can become powerful in prayer without making a commitment to it, he is living under great delusion. The prayer of Elijah, which stopped the rain from heaven and later opened heaven's floodgates, was only one example of long series of his mighty pleading with God. Oh, if only we Christians would remember that Perseverance in prayer is necessary for it to be effective and victorious. The great intercessors who are Solomon mentioned is con- in connection with the heroes of, and martyrs of the faith. We never, nevertheless, the greatest benefactors of the church, yet they're becoming the channels of the blessings of mercy to others was only made possible by their abiding of the mercy seat of God. Remember, we must pray to pray and continue in prayer so our prayers may continue. Charles S. H. Spurgeon. You know, I just got a great sense of uh, gratitude for the people that prayed for this nation to come to pass. People really prayed for this democracy to be for us today. We want to thank God and we pray for the nation. We pray for the safety. We pray, Lord God, in heaven for the leadership. And we pray for the peace of the United States of America. Lord, we ask you that you protect it and protect all the other nations, Lord. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. My grace is sufficient for you, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The other day I was writing home after a hard day's work, was very tired and deeply depressed, when quickly and as suddenly a lightning bolt, the verse came to me, My grace is sufficient for you. When I arrived home, I looked it up in the Word, and it finally came to me this way. My grace is sufficient for you. My response was to say, Yes, Lord, I should think it is. Then I burst out laughing. 
Until that time, I had never understood what the holy laughter of Abraham was. This verse seems to make unbelief totally absurd. I pictured a thirsty little fish who was concerned about drinking the river dry with rather river saying, drink away, father river saying, drink away, little fish. My stream is sufficient for you. I also envisioned a mouse afraid of starving after seven years of plenty when Joseph says to him, cheer up, little mouse, my gratitude, my granaries are sufficient for you. Again, I imagine a man high on a mountain peak saying to himself, I breathe so many cubic feet of air every year. I'm afraid I will deplete all the oxygen in the atmosphere. But the earth says to him, breathe away, filling your lungs forever. My atmosphere is sufficient for you. Oh, people of God, be great believers Little faith will bring your souls to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your souls. Charles H. Spurgeon. You you would think it was a coincidence I read two random readings. This one was from February 26th. The other one was from December 16th. They were from streams in the desert. And uh, as I was reading that uh, one about prayer, the first about Anna the Prophetess and Charles Spurgeon, I thought to myself, you know, I would like to read all of the Charles Spurgeons because there are various authors in this book, an incredible amount of different authors. And I randomly picked another one that Charles wrote. My idea was to read all the ones Charles H. Spurgeon writes. And, and I've been thinking about this reading all day long today. And the fact is that there's more to prayer and I have yet to uncover it. There was a time in the past when I prayed for 30 months for the nation of Africa. And and it just so happens I ran into a newspaper that said 25 million Bibles are going to Africa. And I had a check in my spirit that I was part of that prayer. I was prayer part of that making it possible. You know, maybe we should pray in bigger scales, you know, like pray for continents. We pray for every individual on this earth, all seven billion of them. We pray, Lord God, that they be saved, that their souls will come into knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they will say yes to the cross, yes to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Even though the fig tree has no blossoms and there are no grapes in the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Translation. Jesus says, praise me for it. Your patience turns to gold. 
He guarded him like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spread its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. The Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. Deuteronomy 32, 10, 11, and 12. He guarded him like an eagle that stirred up its nest and hoover over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. The Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. When God places a burden upon you, he places his arms underneath you. There once was a little plant that was small and whose growth was stunned, for it lived under the shade of a giant oak tree. The little plant valued the shade that covered it and highly regarded the quiet rest that its noble friend provided. Yet there was a greater blessing prepared for this little plant. One day, a woodsman entered the forest with a sharp ask and fell the giant oak. The little plant began to weep, crying out, My shelter has been taken away. Now every fierce wind will blow on me, and every storm will seek to uproot me. The guardian angel of the little plant responded, No, now the sun will shine and showers will fall on you more abundantly than ever before. Now your stunned form will spring up into loveliness and your flowers, which could never have grown to full perfection in the shade, will laugh in the sunshine. And people in amazement will say, Look, see how that plant has grown. How gloriously beautiful it has become by removing that which was its shade and its delight. Dear believer, do you understand that God may take away your comforts and privileges in order to make you a stronger Christian? Do you see why the Lord always trains his soldiers not by allowing them to lie on beds of ease, but by calling them to difficult marches and service? He makes them wade through streams, swims across rivers, climb steep mountains, and walk many long marches carrying heavy backpacks of sorrow. This is how he develops soldiers, not by dressing them up in fine uniforms to strut at the gates of the barracks or to appear as handsome gentlemen to those who are strolling through the park. No. God knows that soldiers can only be made in battle and are not developed in times of peace. We may be able to grow the raw materials of which soldiers are made, but turning them into true warriors requires the education brought about by the smell of gunpowder and by fighting in the midst of flying bullets and exploding bombs, not by living through pleasant and beautiful times. So, dear children, could this account for you, your situation? Is the Lord uncovering your gift and causing them to grow? Is he developing you in the qualities of a soldier by showing you into the heat of the battle? 
Should you not then use every gift and weapon he has given you to become a conqueror? Article by Charles H. Spurgeon. And Fernando says, Hasn't the Lord made you a soldier that you can pray like Daniel prayed? He opened the window and looked to the east and prayed towards Jerusalem three times a day. As a soldier, we, you can pray three times a day. You can get on your knees and pray and ask for souls to be saved. As a soldier, from where you're at, you can discipline yourself and get on your knees and avoid avoid any harsh requirements by hitting your knees and praying to the east. That, my friend, would be disciplined enough to grow a giant oak tree. Fernando. Oh. Our next article is in Isaiah thirty eighteen. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. The greenest grass is found where the most rain falls. So I suppose it is the fog and mist of Ireland that makes it the Emerald Isle. And wherever you find the widespread fog of trouble and the mist of sorrow, you always find emerald green hearts that are full of beautiful foliage of the comfort and love of God. Dear Christians, do not say, where are all the shallows? They are all gone. They are dead. No, they are not dead. They have simply skimmed across the deep blue sea, flying for a faraway land, but they will be back again soon. Child of God, do not say, all the flowers are dead. The winter has killed them, so they are gone. No, although the winter has covered them with a white coat of snow, they will push up their heads again and will be alive very soon. O believer, do not say that the sun has burned out just because a cloud has hidden it. No, it is still there, planning a summer for you. For when it shines again, it will have caused those clouds to have dropped their April showers, each of them a mother to a sweet Mayflower. Above all, remember when God hides his face from you, do not say that he has forgotten you. He is simply waiting for a little while to make you love him more. And once he comes, you will rejoice with the unexpressible joy of the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10 Waiting on him exercises your gift of grace and tests your faith. Therefore, continue to wait in hope. For although the promise may linger, it will never come too late. Charles H. Spurgeon One more by Charles Spurgeon.
Why must I go about mourning? Psalm 42, 9. Why must I go about mourning? Psalm 42, verse 9. Dear believer, can you answer the above question? Why must I go about mourning? Can you find any reason why you are so often mourning instead of rejoicing? Why do you allow your mind to dwell on gloomy thoughts? Who told you that night will never end in in day? Who told you that the winter of your discontent would continue from front to frost and from snow, ice, and hail to even deeper snow and stronger storms of despair? Do you know that the day dawns after night, showers displace drought, and spring and summer follow winter? Then have hope. Hope forever, for God will not fail you, Charles A. Spirit. And Fernando says, the joy of the Lord comes from reading and praying. Read the Bible. Pray towards Jerusalem. Pray for souls. Let's pray. O Lord, that you would bless me with more, more souls. That you would lift your hand upon me, Lord. Cause me to see more souls come to the Lord. Cause me to see your glory and your honor being manifested in people's lives. We pray, Lord God, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.